0: Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire, grow your self confidence, find your grit,
1: and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.
0: We're joined right now, continuing our conversation from the first segment with Professor Embol Shockham, who is a professor of behavioral science and health education at the College for Public Health and Social Justice at St. Louis University. And we're so delighted to have Professor with us right now because we're getting real answers. And I'm so sick of trying to navigate. I read this one source from this source from that source. And then my friends keep debating who's right, who's wrong. And what we were just talking about, which is Oh, so important. They keep telling me I have to shelter in place. And I want to understand, what does that mean? Like, am I, am I allowed to go play soccer outside? Am I allowed to go for a walk? Le- Professor, what is shelter in place's limits? What does that mean?
1: Well, we have our different municipalities that t- give us different rules. But ultimately, we are asking people to stay at home. They're, you're allowed to go play soccer within your family. If you're living within the people who are you're already exposed to, right? I don't want you going down to the park and having a big group party, because that's going to transmit coronavirus across that group, right? So if somebody is asymptomatic or doesn't have symptoms, we don't know if they're sick, so we don't know if they're going to be able to if they're going to play soccer with us and then transmit it to us. So you need to stay home, or you need to go to the park by yourself.
0: So I read, and again, this is why it's so important to have someone that actually studies this on with us. I read that it's airborne, and I'm concerned about going outside in and of itself. So I shouldn't be concerned if I'm in my backyard playing soccer with my six-year-old. I'm safe.
1: You are safe.
0: And what happens I think, if I go to the park yeah. and I put apple cider, vinegar, and essential oils on me? Because I understand from reading the Google you that to, you have to gargle. Gargle. With if you it, gargle with what tre- um, tree oil because it's antimicrobial, that's what people have told me, I'd be safe. Is that going to protect me?
1: I think it would taste funny. It's definitely not going to protect you, but that's about it. It'll, it'll
0: taste funny. <laughs> Tastes funny. Maybe put some cinnamon in there, too. Cinnamon always makes yeah, it go down smooth. Nice. Yeah, it would be nice, right? So let's go back to the shelter-in-place. So I understand I shouldn't go to group gatherings. I like that word, gathering. And you said if it's my gathering. immediate family and the people that I know and I've been with already, we could go in the backyard, we can barbecue, we could play soccer. But here's the real question.
1: Yeah, but not the people. Here's here's the right? challenge, though. I, I need to clarify It's not just anyone in your family. It's the people you live with. So if there are people in your household that you're already continually exposed to, you're sharing those germs. Those germs are between your family, and and each member has the same germs, basically.
0: So it's not a DNA thing, meaning like if I haven't seen my father in like three months, I can't just see him and be protected?
1: No. In fact, you should probably take care of him a little bit more.
0: So it would be important just the people you've already been sheltered in place with just stick with those people.
1: Stick with those people. Share those germs with only the same people you've been sharing those germs with.
0: So here's the real question that we're all dying to know. And if you've been listening ah. to the governor in California, and you've been listening to the governor in New York, they're unleashing plans. Trump's saying he has the power, but he doesn't want to use the power. They're talking about how to get the economy going again. Everyone wants to get the economy going again. So, And I'm not asking you to tell me when this is going to happen. But when they tell us, hey, we can go, we can go outside. Is there gonna be a certain trigger that says we could go back to work? Meaning is it a testing thing? Is it a vaccine thing? Is there a, a benchmark that we're looking for in the public health world that's gonna say this is when the trigger is that they should say, go back to work?
1: No, that's a good question. I think the challenge is we don't have the right we don't have the right trigger. We know that when cases stop increasing and that we we have a either a consistent amount of number of people who are infected with covid or we go or they start going down we know that we likely can start opening things up and that's like some businesses we should we should really have significant leadership which is questionable but we need real leadership by our our governors or our state in our regional areas, especially in the tri-state area, when you think about how you're sharing all those locations, right? So if something happens in New Jersey and something happens in New York, but Connecticut doesn't open up, it's going to be really unnecessary because the impact is going to be for that, that tight region, right? You're going to have the same impact. But if you start opening business and say, do you think everybody's going to run out the door and start running to every restaurant and go to every coffee shop?
0: So that's a, that's interesting that you asked that. I have some friends, and I actually had someone on the air a few weeks ago that said he's going to go out eight times – a week eight days a week but for me I have to tell you I am getting like OCD attacks when I just walk to my car thinking there's germs outside like I've I, like I, I need intensive therapy at this moment just to like we, Lauren I, and I we were taking ta- a walk and people were like somewhere near us not even the six feet or the 13 feet whichever one's the right one and I walked right. in and I put Purell all over my body I took a bath in Purell yeah, it was like I a Purell bubble all, bath
1: all over, all over Andrew so
0: I think I'm gonna need years <laughs> after this thing <laughs> is over like Dr. fauci said think he, think no more shaking unique. hands
1: um, <laughs> what I, I do think you're a unique character but I don't think you're <laughs> unique in this right I think that people are going to be really concerned so what can businesses do to make people feel safe coming to their businesses
0: great question right so we
1: talked yeah. I, mean, I think there's there are ideas that could be floated around like uh, do occupancy permits do they have to change? Right, so a restaurant that can seat 50, does it have to go to 25?
0: Interesting. Yeah, more room in between know. people. That's it, but that's something to consider. Right. And as it is
1: something to consider,
0: as an academic, I think one of the things that's important is that you guys floating ideas like this, not to say what the answers are, but just to open the dialogue is so important. And the workspace. I was reading an article that said the workspace. If you have separate offices, that's one thing. But if you're a cubicle setup, that's a whole nother environment. Because when you're, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly the challenge. We went from these single offices to our, our workspace turned into either completely open shared space or cubicles or co-located businesses that are all sharing one large room or slightly blocked off. It's really challenging what we have implemented as shared space um, for startups or even larger businesses for that community um, bringing innovation centers.
0: And rethinking these new ways and a whole new world order where I guess it would become magic, the public health again, where we wouldn't be thinking about it if we had new work layouts because then we'd see less spread. And with less spread, then people would be like, "Ooh, it's working. So very interesting thought on that. So just to loop back, I'm in my stay-at-home, shelter-in-place. And for whatever reasons. Maybe there's a test. Maybe, as you said, the numbers just went down. And a big concern, I think, is that when the numbers are high, it's about the strain on the healthcare system. And when the numbers yeah. are down, they could accommodate much more. So when you go for a heart attack, they don't have to just let you die because they don't have any respirators. That's like a biggie. I'd rather not die. So when yeah. they allow us, I just I, I think about it. If I'm going to choose die or not die, I'm going with not die. So here's the thing. When We get out of the shelter-in-place, and you mentioned a staggered shelter-in-place coming out. How come we're not going to immediately have it spread again, community spread? And how come we're not going to have a second wave right away and be back at our house?
1: We're hoping that we wait long enough. I mean, so depending on the location, we're hoping that people wait long enough um, and have different policies put into place to monitor and manage the number of people in public spaces.
0: So that's the key is is that it's – and you were getting at this from the whole way that I am neurotic, that we need to get more people to be crazy like me in that sense. Because if cool. we
1: could – Maybe not that crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It's a good thing.
1: But so, a little crazy is okay. I mean, I just think that we're going to need to be more distanced for longer um, until we have a vaccine, until we have effective treatment. I think we need – more physical
0: space. So just to talk about a vaccine, you've already told me it wasn't Bill Gates. You told me it's not five G. You tell me apple cider and vinegar might taste good. Well funky, I think, is what you said. But I put in the, the vin I put in the cinnamon so it tasted better. But you said these things don't work. But what about this chloroquine? Like, I'm, I'm hearing that it, no. chloroquine is the solution. What about this? I actually got an email, an interesting email. This person writes to me, how come Governor Cuomo, this is what they said, isn't allowing chloroquine if we hear it's the magic solution? Can we just all take chloroquine and be safe and go out?
1: That'd be a bad idea. Why? It's not shown to be effective in treating COVID-19.
0: That's a good so- point.
1: Right? And yeah. so if, if we don't know that it works, we shouldn't be taking it. There are significant risks in taking medication that isn't isn't what you're uh, meant to do or isn't what it's meant to
0: do. Here's the thing, and you actually, I don't know if you remember, but when I was in statistics, when I was getting my master's, I asked you to tutor me on it because I was having trouble with statistics, and I still remember how smart you were at statistics. And what I think is interesting is that you said it's not been proven effective. And a lot of people are using this thing that I've seen it work. Can you just tell me briefly what's the difference between proven effective and an anecdotal experience? (laughs)
1: I know. I think it's really hard because so often my students struggle with this as well, and they are irritated by me all the time. So I always say, where's the data? Until it's shown to be effective. So what we try to do, our gold standard is randomized control trials. And those are really making sure that if you are testing a medication versus a different medication, you have a different... You want to make sure that your medication, the one you're trying... Um, to show that it works has been shown to be effective across lots of different people. Now, the anecdotal data has been some practitioners or doctors have been saying, oh, here, I'm going to give you this medication. I think it might work because they're throwing everything they can at COVID-19 patients because they want to treat them and get them better.
0: Which is important, put, and we get that. But It is
1: important. We want that. Yeah. It's it, it's a part of the solution, but this is not a widely used delivery system because we can't have it that way. Because ultimately, if a whole bunch of people are taking it without a doctor's suggestion or treatment plan, and the doctor doesn't actually know if they are sick, and if this medication works, then... When, You might die for a different reason. You might die for no good reason. You had me there.
0: I don't want to die for another reason. And what I think is so important about what Professor is saying, I want everyone to hear this part, is that just because it happened once and it worked for one person's experience doesn't mean the data supports it. Lots of other causes could have made it happen. And we need to really study and we need to make sure there's not adverse effects and how it's going to interact with other medicines and other conditions. And I think the reason why we brought on Professor right now, and I want to thank Professor M. Shacham for joining us, is that all too often we confuse the micro-level medical provider, the person that we're speaking to, the doctor that's treating us, and the macro-societal effect about how we have to deal with a public health crisis overall. And I think you said to me before... and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's not just about me when we're dealing with a public health crisis that transfers from one to the other. How do you put it? You put it so well.
1: I think we're a collective community, and I we can't think individualistically in this, in this time. And I know that the United States pers- is not set up to think about it this way. And so this is where public health excels if they're allowed to in general, right? So If we were able to put in places, situations, and and structures that support humans, regardless of how much money they make and the resources they have and the jobs they have, then we'd be able to have a much more uh, equal response or maybe more equitable response to um, the prevention of COVID-19.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a delight. Everyone, let's work together collectively to save ourselves and save each other. Thank you. Have you ever dreamed of owning a rental property, flipping a home, opening a successful business? This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.